0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. So today we're talking about uh, our real identity, our real identity that we find in Jesus. And, And being a guy who's been, who's in youth ministry for like 20 years, I... I have so many times had conversations with kids about their identity. I've talked about it at youth group. It's, it's something that you talk about a lot with kids because here's the deal. High school kids, middle school kids, they don't know who they are. They think they do sometimes, but they don't. Who you are in Jesus. But here's the thing where you kind of start to understand your identity a little bit. Who you are as a person. Who you are in Jesus. But here's the thing. Even if you're, say, 75 years old in this room right now. I would imagine you'd look back a year from uh, a year ago and go, you know what? I understand who I am a little bit better today. Because the truth is, is, this is an ongoing process for all of us. Um, now, there was a guy, this, this is a story I found this last week, a guy in Texas. Found this story about him. He, uh, he decided one night in Texas to go and rob a house, burglary. Now, some of you might be like, why are you going to tell us a story about a burglary in Texas? There's probably like 10,000 of them that happen a day. I'm glad you asked that question because this burglary was, was different. So what happened was this guy goes into this house, and it's nighttime, and he takes some stuff. Not his, but he takes it. And then after he's done burglarizing the house, he goes out to the garage, and you know what he grabs? He grabs a lawnmower. Like, if you're going to steal stuff, man, steal a lawnmower. That is genius. So the guy steals the lawnmower. He takes it out, and he puts gas in it. You know what he did next? He mowed the people's front and backyard of the house that he just burglarized. Okay, there's actually a picture. If you don't believe me, there's a picture of him doing this. You can see it. It's late at night, and the dude is mowing the lawn of the house that he just burglarized. Don't understand it. Now, here's one thing that I do know. I hope this guy moves here and burglarizes my house like twice a week this summer. Because <laughs> I hate mowing twice a week, it's so annoying. But what happened is so, hey, okay, it's night, you're mowing the lawn. People look out their window, do they realize, okay, that's not the homeowner, what's going on? And there's security footage at the house, so the cops get called. And here's what the newspaper report actually says happened at that point after the cops get called, says the officers arrived at the home and chased the subject who pulled the lawnmower behind him before ditching the lawn equipment in a nearby alley and continuing his escape. I'll run the cop. No, probably. But he is dragging a lawnmower behind him, running away from the cops, and then ditches it in an alley. I'm thinking this guy doesn't know who he is. A, he's not Usain Bolt. He ain't getting away from the cops that way. And B, he is just a guy who burglarized a house. And it's like he thought that this house was his all of a sudden. I've never heard of anybody mowing the lawn of a place that they just robbed. But this guy did it. And this is what happens. We actually lose sight of who we are. This guy was going to obviously get found out because it's at night and he's mowing the lawn. And there's a lot of times in life where it's like we just forget who we are. I forget who I am in, in Christ. I think that all of the things that make up me are the things that the talents and the abilities that I have inside of myself. And if I'm not if if I'm not bringing all those to the surface in a great way, then I lose value. But the truth is that, that there could be nothing further from the truth. And we're going to see in this in the story in the book of Mark, there's a guy who he literally thinks he's something that he's not. He thinks that. Things around him, things that he's brought into his life makes up the the real emphasis of who he is. And he couldn't be further from the truth. The only way to really knowing your real identity is by knowing the real Jesus. And your identity, I think it has a, a lot less to do with you and way more to do with who Jesus is. When you're thinking about who am I, it's not about who you are. It's about what Jesus sees in you. It's about what Jesus has put into you. And so, this morning we're going to read this story. It's out of Mark chapter 10. And like a lot of these stories that we've been reading through, they're a little bit longer than what we probably normally would read. And so, uh, get your attention on for a little bit. But the story is really awesome. and There's so much cool stuff in the story. So, starting in verse 17 of Mark chapter 10. It says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. That is like what every parent has done to a teenage kid. You are saying dumb things that aren't real, and I'm just going to look at you and love you. That's Jesus in this moment, okay? And he going on. It says, "One thing you lack," Jesus said. "Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven." Then come follow me." At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, "How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God." The disciples were amazed at his words. Jesus looked around his disciples and said again, how hard is it for for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? They looked, they were amazed at his words, and Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We've left everything to follow you, Jesus. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much as in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. Along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the And the last first. Now at the outset of this story this guy does something that, that shows like he's on Jesus' team. What's the thing that he does? It says, the first part of verse 17 a man ran up to Jesus and fell on his knees before him. Have you ever fallen on your knees before somebody? Like that's not something that we do in our culture, right? If it is, it's probably sarcastic. <laughs> I could see myself doing that. I'm not going to lie. Okay. But we don't, we don't run up to people and fall on our knees and and that's what this guy did. And we might make fools of ourselves in other ways with people that are really important. You ever, make a, you ever make a fool of yourself with somebody who's really important in your mind? I remember one time, and I've said this a while back, uh, I ran into my favorite baseball player at the time, he played for the Minnesota Twins, Torrey Hunter, and I screeched his name like a little girl. Uh, what's, what's worse about it, I wasn't eight years old, I was 21. That's why it's a little embarrassing. But I also do other things. When I see people who, are, who I think are important, like I humble brag about things about my life. Anybody ever humble brag before? I'm not the only awful person. Don't even... Okay. So like if I, if I come across a teacher, I'm not, I don't think I've ever said this, but I, I, I know something like this has come out of my mouth before, and it, this wouldn't shock me if I said this. But if I came to a teacher and said something like, Hey, you teach math. That's awesome. I teach Jesus. I could see myself saying that. I could see that person wanting to run away from me, and they should, like that. But I humble brag when people are important. And this guy, this this rich young man, he did something to show Jesus, like I'm on your team. I, I'm gonna bow my knee before you as I talk to you, and then he does this in verse. 17, the second part of the verse. He says to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, Jesus is figuring something out at this point. Jesus is kind of smart. And he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. One word right here. Flattery. This guy has figured out how to be a flattering person. And he's trying to, he's trying to get Jesus with flattery. And parents have, have witnessed this throughout history. Your kid starts laughing at your joke. And you're like, I'm on to you, kid. You never laugh at my jokes. You ain't so sly. Things that are just to flatter me. Most of the time with us as parents, I, my little seven-year-old Finley, like, she can do things that are just to flatter me. And, and I'll be like, I get you, but you're so cute. Here you go. Here's $12,000. I don't know. Like, the kid is just adorable, man. It's so frustrating. But Jesus caught on to this guy. And here's the thing about Jesus. He can always pinpoint the heart of the issue in our lives. He always knows what's going on inside of us. And with this young rich man, he knew what was going on. His hang-up was always surrounding money. This rich young, it was money. And Jesus knew that. Knew it right from the beginning. The moment that this guy opened his mouth, Jesus Jesus figured it out. And so he asked this question to Jesus, hey, how can I inherit eternal life? I want you to understand, this this question is not a a quality of life question. It's a quantity of life question. What in the world do I mean by that? Let me give you a little explanation. For this young rich man, Mark... Normally, if, if, the, if a guy is, if somebody was a non-Jewish person that Mark was writing about, Mark would have told us that. He would have said that it was a, a Gentile or it was a Samaritan. But in this case, Mark doesn't do that. And so we have a, a good reason to believe this young rich man is a Jewish man. And being that he's a young Jewish man, we have some ideas of what he probably believed about eternal life. These were kind of a mixture of Greek and Jewish belief that when everybody died, there was going to be this general resurrection. Everybody was going to have this general resurrection. And kind of what they would have thought was, if I live my life a certain way, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to kind of continue on in eternal life in that, in that way. And this guy really liked his life. He liked being rich. He liked everything that came with being rich. And so he's, he's asking Jesus, like, how can I have this life just kind of keep on going? He's not talking about a quality of life, of his life becoming better in eternity. He's saying, Jesus, I just want this life to keep going on. Like, how, how can we make that happen? What do I need to do? How do I not really die and just kind of keep this life going? How can I improve my game to make sure that this stays the way it is? You see, this, this young rich man, he was arrogant. He was full of himself. He, was, he saw his money as the thing that made him most important. And then what happened is, in that verse 21, I love what Jesus does. After he's asked this, been asked this question by this young man, what's the one thing that, that Jesus said or that Mark says about Jesus? It's that he looked at him and he loved him. Like you're asking a dumb question and I'm still going to love you. I love that part of this story. See the rich young man's question, it wasn't an honest question. It wasn't that he was really, he was really going. He wanted Jesus pretty much just to say, yeah, you're doing everything the right way. Just keep it going, buddy. You're awesome. It's like, and I said this probably a couple weeks ago. It's like when I asked my wife after a sermon, hey, how was the sermon? I pretty much expect her to be like, it was awesome. I don't want her to tell me like, you shouldn't have said that one story. I don't like hearing that. It's like when I ask my kids, hey, how could I be a better dad? I want them to be like, well, you're the best dad in the world. Well, thank you, kid. You're right. I don't want him to be like, well, Dad, you could probably yell at us less. Quiet. No, <laughs> I wouldn't do that to him. Are you asking God questions with the hope that he'll challenge you to grow, or with the hope that he'll just tell you that you're doing everything all right? When you're praying and you're asking God, okay, God, how do you how can I grow? How can what do you want out of my life? Are you secretively asking the question just going, God, just tell me I'm great? Or are you actually saying, okay, God, I I want you to dig into my heart. I want you you to give me conviction where I need conviction to actually change. Because that's a really hard thing to ask. Are you trying to get to the heart of things in your relationship with God? Or are you just trying to live on the surface level and being okay? You want God to be okay with, with you the way that you're okay with you. See, some Christians ask the the question, Am I I saved? A lot of people in our country, I think, ask that question alone. Am I saved? Have I done enough to get saved? And I think in actuality, that that question is not a very honest question that we ask. Living life the way. Because the question actually is, Hey, Jesus, are you going to let me into heaven if I keep living life the way that I am? Because I kind of like how everything is now. I just want to keep doing this. That a lot of times is the question of, Am I saved? But there's a a more difficult question that we could ask. Hey God, am I all that God has created me to be and that Jesus died to save me for? See, we want, sometimes we just want this, this little surface level relationship with Jesus. Am I, have I done enough to get saved, God? Okay, thanks. Let me go and live my life. I think Jesus wants us to have more of a relationship of him to save me for. Because I think he died for more than just to save us. He died for something greater. For us to, to become more what he wants us to become. This question is a tough one for us to ask. Because it's always going to give us an answer. If we're really going to ask Jesus hey, hey, am I doing everything the way you want me to? Man, he's going to be like my wife is sometimes saying, yeah, like you're not, you're not doing everything at home the way I want you to. Like, my, parent, my, my kids, if I ask them, how am I being a parent, and they are real with me, it hurts to hear that stuff. So am I asking those real questions of Jesus, and am I willing to, to go through the change that he's calling me to? Now, there's plenty of, of ways that you could feel guilty at this point in this sermon. I'm going to get this out of the way. Let's, let's take all the shame and all the guilt that we could have storing up as we're listening, and let's just put it aside. That is not what, that's not what preaching is supposed to do to us. Maybe you haven't asked real questions of Jesus. Maybe you've tried to live on the surface level. Maybe you've asked real questions of Jesus, how you can change, and you've heard him say certain things in your life, and you've said, no, nah, I don't want that. Okay, let's, let's put the shame aside, and let's keep going. I want you to see what it says, again, here in Mark 10, verse 21. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. In the midst of us asking the wrong questions or not responding to Jesus in the way that he maybe would want us to, he still looks at us and loves us. We talked about grace a little while during, during the worship time. That is, like, he looks at us and he continues to love us. But here's the thing. He loved this man, this young rich man, so much that he was not willing to just say, yeah, go, go keep your money. You're doing everything the right way. Instead, he called out the one thing that this guy just couldn't get through. There was something with this guy. There was an issue that he had with money. And the issue that he had with money kept him from following Jesus completely. Whatever it was, the money was always there first. You see, we, we, I want you to get this. This man asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, how can I have eternal? So why in the world would Jesus say, go and give all your money and then you're going to be good? It's because his money was the one thing keeping him from following Jesus. He was saying all the right things like he wanted to follow Jesus, but he really didn't want to follow Jesus. It was that one thing that was keeping him from following Jesus. And there might be things in our lives. It might not be money. I want, one thing I want to really make clear. I don't think that God is calling us to all have to give away all of our money. And everybody's like, oh, Good. Because this, this passage was messing me up. I don't think God's calling us to give away all our money. What he's calling us to is whatever you have in, in the way of your relationship with me, that you should get rid of. It's really interesting that um, if you read it, keep going on reading this, starting in verse 23, it says, Jesus says, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. That is, man, that sounds like it's really hard to to get there, guys. And then he says, the disciples, it says they were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. It's really important to realize from this story that this man could have kept his money and still been okay with God. If he could have gotten to the place where, where he allowed God to become a bigger part of his life than his money was, guess what? I don't think Jesus would have even told him to give away all his money. Because actually what, how we get eternal life is it's through Jesus. But he had to get rid of his money in order for him to finally get to Jesus. And so my question for us is, because I can say all I want that I want to I be right with God. I want to have a relationship with Jesus. But if there is something getting in the way, for some of us, it, maybe it is a job. Maybe a job has gotten in the way of my relationship so, with Jesus so much that maybe he actually, Jesus would be asking me, hey, I need, you to, I need you to be willing to give up your job. I got a different job for you. Might be less money, but it's going to be healthier for you. Some of you, maybe it's Maybe it's you need to get get rid of that phone. You need to go get a flip phone, people. Because that phone is taking up your relationship with me. You're so sucked into it. That one one always makes me feel bad because I know I get sucked into my phone and I don't follow Jesus the way I should at times because I'm sucked into this stupid thing. Here's a question. Do you have a barrier that keeps you from following Jesus? Do you have a barrier that keeps you from following Jesus? Because I will say, I think if you have a barrier that is keeping you from Jesus, if that thing is more important to you than Jesus, I think if you came and asked the same question to Jesus, hey, Jesus, how do I get to eternal life? I think Jesus would actually say, you got to get rid of this thing first and then come follow me. If we're ever going to get to where we follow Jesus, there has to be nothing in the way. It doesn't mean that he's expecting us to be perfect before we can actually follow Jesus the right way. Even while this guy was asking the wrong question and couldn't get rid of his money, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. It's pretty powerful. What's getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus? I want you to understand this. Jesus will respond, always will respond to you with what you need to do to get your heart right. But he also wants to help you see that your heart will never be fully right without him. Jesus is going to tell us what we need to get our hearts right. But there's always this this little star where he's like, you're not going to totally get it right, and I'm still going to love you. It's important for us to keep that in mind. That's why Jesus said that it was impossible for this rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Even if he got rid of all of his money, it was still going to be impossible for him to get into heaven without Jesus. But on the same token, even if somebody gave away all their money, if somebody gives away all their money, you still need Jesus. That means that if you don't give away all these things, that, that maybe you feel like... See, I think what happens in, in church life, as I was growing up in the church, there, there's some people in the church sometimes who feel like if I can give up a bunch of things and show God and That is a new religion that you devotion to Him. He's going to accept me. Well, guess what? You're making... that is a new religion that you've just started. And it's a religion that says, if I get rid of all this stuff and prove my love to God, he's going to love me. That's not what it's about. And so if if you hear this passage and you're like, okay, what's the thing that I have to get rid of so God accepts me? You're not hearing it right. The question is, what do I have in the way that I should get rid of so that I'm fully devoted to God? Those are two totally different things. Maybe there is something in your life right now that you are holding dearer to your heart than Jesus. Maybe there's something that you find value in today that is holding you back from a deeper connection with Jesus. I think we all probably probably have a unique thing that maybe we need to be willing to give up so that I can connect with Jesus, right? Um, this, This one for me, it happened about 20 years ago probably. and It's not as big a deal as somebody having to give up all their money. But is there anybody in this room who likes scary movies? Let me see by a raise of hands. All right, if you like scary movies, you're crazy. There was was actually a day in my life where I used to like scary movies. And then I watched two scary movies that that just messed it all up for me. The Sixth Sense, it's crazy. Kids seeing dead people, come on. And then this movie called What Lies Beneath. Somebody's watched it. (laughs) Here's the problem. I'm going to give this away because you shouldn't watch it because it's going to mess your brain up anyhow. Harrison Ford was the bad guy. Han Solo, man. I'm telling you, that messed me up. But I told my wife after this, I'm like, honey, I can't watch horror films anymore because they messed my brain up. And I'd lay awake at night and I'd be thinking stuff that I didn't want to be thinking. And it sounds silly, but it it, it tore into my relationship with Jesus a little bit. You know, some of you have had that experience with with movies or shows that you watch and you get done you're like, I I didn't feel right there. Okay, so are you going to pull away from that so that your relationship with Jesus feels a little healthier? Or not? I had to make that decision with horror movies. Still don't like watching them. And I don't. And a healthier walk with him. Why wouldn't I want to do that? There's something that I need to get up, give up, but we get so caught up in all these false identities of what makes me valuable. The things that, that make my life valuable. And so we hold on to things that, in all truthfulness, it's keeping me from Jesus. It's worth it to give some stuff up if that's what it takes to have a relationship with Jesus that is healthy. So my question this morning is this. Where are you finding your identity? Are you finding it in things, or are you finding it in Jesus? I want to end with this little story I found. One of my—a baseball player that I I definitely liked growing—or not growing up, as as an adult, really. His name is David Ortiz. A lot of you have probably heard of his name before. His nickname is The Big Poppy. Now, he played, like, the first three years of his career with my favorite baseball team, the Minnesota Twins. And then he, at the last 14 of his years of his career, he went and played with Boston Red Sox. They won three World Series titles. The dude was epic in the playoffs. Like, he just was awesome. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame. And so he gets elected in the Hall of Fame. And there's another player that I grew up loving. His name was Kirby Puckett. He's a center fielder for the Minnesota Twins. Short, little, chubby, fast dude. He was so fun to watch in the center, playing in the center field. Now, Kirby Puckett's career ended before David Ortiz played with the Twins, but it was really close there, and since then, uh, Kirby Puckett passed away, but Puckett took a liking to a young David Ortiz, and when David Ortiz got elected in the Hall of Fame, he was getting a tour of the Hall of Fame, and the first thing he did is he went right to the Hall of Fame plaque of Kirby Puckett, who was in the Hall of Fame, and tears started about me when I was just a kid when I was a nobody about. I didn't know who I was going to be or where I was going to end up. He cared about me. And that's what life is all about. I want you to know, okay, Kirby Puckett was far from perfect. As a man, he actually, you know, a, a kid who grew up loving the kid, he did some things in his life that really let me down as a, as a young kid. But in this situation, the reason I said this story is, Kirby Puckett, acted a lot like a Jesus figure in the life of David Ortiz, the way that Jesus acts for us. At this point in David Ortiz's career, there there was nothing special about him. He hadn't hadn't hit home runs in the playoffs to to win a World Series. He hadn't had a Hall of Fame career. He hadn't even hit home runs yet in in the big leagues. And Kirby was drawn to him for some reason. It wasn't David Ortiz's specialness. It was the character in Kirby Kirby Puckett that drew him to David Ortiz I want you to understand that is the picture of Jesus it is nothing in you or me that draws us draws Jesus to us it is Jesus and his character and his love for us and what he sees in us without us doing anything that draws Jesus to us when we think about okay can I really give up something in my life so that I can be closer with Jesus I don't need all that stuff. If I have Jesus, that's all I need. That's what he's trying to tell us in this story. It's okay to get rid of all of that money if that's the one thing standing between you and me. Again, I don't think he's asking us to do that all the time. But it's worth it. If I can give something up to draw closer to Jesus, it's worth it. Jesus died to, to make you and me right with God. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.